Welcome to The Lead, a podcast where we learn how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did it. I'm Charlotte Northworthy. This is a very exciting special episode of The Lead. We're highlighting some of the key speakers from the Cox Institute's Entrepreneurial Journalism Symposium that was held on the business of podcasting earlier this week. We'll be hearing from four media leaders, Bob Sullivan, Aliyah Tavakolian, Mandy Woodruff, and Dan Macaron. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast was created by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership as a part of its Innovation Fellowship Program. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. Bob Sullivan is a business author, investigative journalist, and recently a successful podcast host on a podcast called Breach. Check out our first episode with Bob from season two of The Lead. But for now, let's catch up with Bob. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. This is, or should I say, welcome back. Welcome back. I'm very glad to be back. Yes, this is the first time that we've ever said welcome back on the show as you're our first return guest. But we're excited to have you back to talk about your new projects in the world of podcasting. Breach is a podcast that you host with Aaliyah Tavakolian on famous cybersecurity breaches in recent history, like the Yahoo data breach. So for starters, what's been the response to season one and what's next? Well, it's very exciting. Um, we like to think of ourselves as a, like a digital murder mystery story. So it was uh, five hours on the largest hack in history. And we spent a good three months doing an investigation of it. And most people know that their Yahoo account was hacked. But most people also think, did I have a Yahoo account? What's Yahoo exactly? There are two and a half billion of them. So you probably did have a Yahoo account. I did. And it was hacked. Yeah. But at the same time, you probably thought, well, I didn't really have anything on my Yahoo account. Who knows? So what, what does it really matter? Well, it, it matters for two reasons. All hacks are not equal. So in some cases, someone steals your password, you change your password, and that's fine. The Yahoo hack, what mattered was who did it. The Russians did it. The Russian government did it. Russian FSB agents were involved in it. And they didn't just have access to your password. They were reading people's emails. They were reading tens of thousands of people's emails for two and a half years. It began with them reading very targeted uh, emails. So they were looking at uh, CEOs, diplomats, journalists. Think about that for a second. The Russian government is reading international journalists' emails for two years. And then it just expanded until they were looking for anything. They were looking for any hint that there was a credit card number or a gift card from Amazon, for example. And you think about all the things that might have ended up in your Yahoo account for the history of your time. Uh, it's actually a treasure trove. So, And again, it's the... the this isn't just about the size of it, which was the largest numerically ever. It was the breadth of it. So for two and a half years, they were reading people's emails. So that was a big deal. And when we kept pulling the string on it and kept pulling the string, found out the Russian government was involved and who was involved. And we interviewed one of the perps. Of course, we ended up bumping up into the election hacking. There's sort of two coins, two sides of the same coin. And so, you know, right as the news about the Russian election hacking uh, was heating up, we were talking about the Russian Yahoo hack. So we were very lucky. We got a lot of uh, we got a lot of attention. We got a lot of focus. We were a top hundred podcast for a while, and uh, the success was good enough that now we're working on season two. So we're excited about that. Any any hints as to when we can expect that? Uh, well, yes and no. Um, season two will come out sometime in the spring. We're not talking yet about what we're investigating. It's like serial. We want to be a little mysterious, but there's going to be a, a, an intermediate, like a breach one point five, on this election, which we're, we're working on right now. So as everybody knows forces that are against American democracy are still trying to hack our election and hack our midterms. And there's all sorts of chaos around this November. So we're trying to put that chaos in perspective and we'll have that out within a few weeks. 
So you have a background in many different forms of media, and we've discussed this on the show before. What, what has it been like exploring the audio side of storytelling? It's uh, fantastic. I can't tell you as a journalist how refreshing it has been to work on podcasts where you can let a story breathe. I mean, I've spent a lot of time doing TV where, you know, if I get 90 seconds, that's a lot. I think Breach is the best journalism project I've been a part of in at least 10 years. I'm very proud of it. And again, we can take it a topic, spend a couple of months looking into it, tell a long story. Um, when I write a story on my website on the Internet, I'm thrilled if someone spends two and a half minutes reading it. I mean, that's a lot. Normally, it's more like 90 seconds. People listen to us for five hours to hear about Breach. And as a creative person, that's just spectacular. So... I think podcasting is um, incredibly exciting, uh, new and refreshing way to tell stories. And I'm, I just really encourage anybody who, who thinks they have a bigger story to tell to look into it. Great. Well, thank you so much for being back, Bob. We really are excited for you and we'll be tuning in to the future seasons of Breach. Great. I look forward to the next time. Next, we'll hear from Aliyah Tavakolian, his co-host of Breach and also co-founder and vice president of content at Spoke Media, which produced the podcast. We talk about some gaps in the podcasting world, like fiction podcasts. Aliyah, you've had a huge hand in the production of Breach. You're here today at Grady talking about that production and your work with Bob, also wearing the hat of co-founder and vice president of content at Spoke Media, which produced the podcast Breach. What is it like having your fingers in so many different buckets at the same time? It's it's frustrating and super, super fulfilling. Um, and I never get bored because I'm never doing the same thing. Um, every day is different, which is sometimes really frustrating. Sometimes I think I find myself craving the consistency. Um, you know, there are days where I'm just like, I don't want to, I would have it no other way. <laughs> Was Breach your first interaction with kind of co-hosting with Bob? Or have you done this before? Uh, I had never co-hosted or hosted a podcast before. <laughs> um, and it really was an accident the way it happened. We sort of just, you know, we hired Bob as the host for Breach. And um, he... He came on and we started the, our my co-producer, Janielle, affectionately referred to as Jan, uh, and I were kind of like trying to figure out what the show really was. Um, and we were talking with Bob and we started interviewing Bob. And we realized like Bob's not really great with a script, which is not a fault. <laughs> so much is just, just a fact. So we're like, OK, we're not going to script this thing. And then we started we recorded a conversation between me and Bob and we realized oh my God, there could be something here to having the expert and then the sort of consumer who doesn't know anything, who's learning and they're going on a journey together to tell the story. Um, and that ended up being the way we chose to tell the story of Yahoo, the Yahoo Data Breach. And I think it turned out really well. It seems really awesome to have someone to just bounce things off of yeah. and to kind of keep a flow going. Is that right? It does. It's so much fun. Like the way we put that show together was um, a series of what we call brain dumps. So just like four hour conversations with me and Bob drinking coffee and tea and talking about the things. Um, and we'd have like an agenda essentially that our producer Jan would put together for us. Um, and sometimes she'd stop us and have us go back and try to like reiterate something. Um, and then we would have uh, an associate producer go through all that audio, mark it up, and then Jan would generate a script from our conversations. <laughs> Having produced Breach, are there any gaps that you've noticed in podcasting as a whole that need to be filled either in things like audio quality or production values? You've talked a lot about that today at the podcasting symposium. Where are some gaps that you feel like Breach has filled in terms of its actual value in podcasting? I think a gap that Breach has filled um, and that we hope to keep filling is 
bringing um, diverse voices to the tech space um, because, I, as I mentioned on a panel earlier, it's just so easy when you're doing a show about tech to only interview straight white men because they make up a lot of the, the um, tech landscape. And so we made it a part of our process to really dig in and try to find women, people of color, um, and people from diverse backgrounds to give us the perspectives we were you know, needing to tell the story of the Yahoo hack. But I think to answer your question, if I could get a little bit broader, a gap that I see in the podcast media scape right now is in fiction. And it's something Spoke Media, um, my company, is really excited about. Like, there hasn't really been, there isn't a lot of great audio fiction out there. Um, and I don't see any reason why there can't be. Uh, and so we really believe in doing, making podcasts that uh, sound like television. So, you know, it's like I watch Gilmore Girls all the time, but I'm rarely actually looking at the screen, right? I'm just listening to Lorelai and Rory banter, and I live for it. And I think a lot of people do. Um, so we're working on a couple projects right now that are fiction projects that are just like unapologetically audio fiction. You know, we're not framing it with a, a phone call. <laughs> um, and it's not science fiction or fantasy, which is what makes up most of the audio fiction space. Well, as a fan of Gilmore Girls, I support this 100%. Thank you so much for being here, Leah. This is great. Thanks so much for having me. Now let's hear from Grady alumna Mandy Woodruff. For her day job, she works as an executive editor at Magnify Money. She talks about her successful side hustle. She co-hosts Brown Ambition, a podcast on personal finance for women of color. So thank you for being here, Mandy. I'm very excited to be able to talk to you about the Brown Ambition, which to me seems like the model of success for a side hustle because this isn't your day job. Oh, not at all. Congrats to anybody who can launch a podcast and then live off of those earnings. No, Brown Ambition, the Brown Ambition podcast, I launched that when I was a reporter at Yahoo Finance back in 2015 and really felt like I had just gone to this conference where all these financial bloggers get together once a year called FinCon and they all seem to be talking about podcasting and sharing their message and educating people about personal finances um, in a podcast format. And I just walked away feeling like this is something that I could easily do. You know, I work for Yahoo. It's a huge company with tons of money. Of course, they'll give me, you know, a few hundred bucks to launch this podcast in some studio space. And what I found was, um, and this is 2015, but at the time, they were not interested. It was very much like, well, can you guarantee a million subscribers right away? And how are we going to sell this? And we can never scale this. And I, I, I felt like I was, it was something so simple, but I was being told no. And I basically just got a little annoyed. And then I just did it myself behind their backs. <laughs> and I've been doing it ever since. And it seems like in terms of the subject matter of the podcast that you and your co-host maybe found a gap in content that mm. you felt the need to fill. Can you explain the inspiration behind that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a woman of color as a personal finance journalist. There's not tons of us out there. And my co-host, Tiffany, uh, the budgetista, Alice, she has this amazing brand where she is a financial educator and she has a massive following. And she has inspired hundreds of thousands of women across the country to take um, control of their finances and to start saving for long term goals. So she and I got together and said, you know, we have something here, you know, my background in journalism, um, and wanting to get the facts straight around um, consumers and how they can take control of their money, um, and not let the fine print get them. And then Tiffany with her excellent way of just engaging audiences and helping them feel empowered to take their um, financial futures in their own hands. We were a great combination. And we just said, you know, let's partner up, we'll be co hosts, and we'll launch Brown Ambition. And we'll speak directly to the audience we're both passionate about, which is women of color. So what's been the response to the podcast since it's been launched? And where do you hope to take it in the future? Do you want this to be a full time thing eventually? 
Um, you know, I don't know. I it's hard for me to think of the podcast as a full time thing. I love that it's my baby. I love that it's independent, and I I can take it wherever I go. The response initially was really uh, really motivating. What we did in the beginning, we actually recorded five episodes and had them in the can, and then we released them all at one time. And our thought process was one: let's juice the numbers a little bit. So if you know, our my my goal was to get us on the front page of iTunes, like in the new and uh, new and noteworthy section. I knew that if we did that, we might have a better chance at building an audience. Um, so one of the ways I had learned to do that is to release several episodes at once because someone who subscribes to those episodes will be doing five downloads. So if you get 500 downloading five episodes, that's it's a lot of it's a lot. Okay, it's more than if you just did one episode. So that was my strategy. Um, and we released five at once. And it actually worked. We got featured in no, new and noteworthy on iTunes. And it kind of just snowballed from there. I think our earliest episodes we were excited to get 500 downloads per episode. Now we're doing up, upwards of 10 to 11,000 downloads per episode, which may be small potatoes for, you know, for some bigger podcasts with bigger brands behind them. But for a couple of, you know, ladies just kind of winging it, um, we're really happy with those numbers. And our audience, I think the biggest success of our show is how loyal our audience is to us and how they've stuck with us from the beginning. And People get really hooked on, I think, our stories and the way that we speak about money, and they feel like they leave the show having learned something and improved, maybe improved their lives a tiny bit, and that's what keeps them kind of coming back. And as far as the future of the show, you know, we just signed a deal with an ad agency, so they'll actually be making a little bit of money, I hope, from the show. That wasn't obviously our intention when we launched it. We were both kind of just looking for, you know, an alternative way to reach people and to help them. Um, but if we can make a little bit of money, that would be exciting. Well, congratulations on the growing success of the podcast. And we appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. Finally, we hear from Dan Macaron, host of Story in a Bottle, a podcast that likes to talk about people's careers similar to the lead. Only his podcast involves sitting down with people over their favorite cocktail. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So for your podcast, Story mm -hmm. in a Bottle, the story setup is very similar to that of the lead in that we're really interested in career paths. Sure. You seem to share a very similar interest of mine in that you're very interested in people. Yeah. The whole point of starting the podcast was to kind of understand how people got to where they are, mostly because in tech and in media, everyone I knew at the time came from different backgrounds, like either stumbled into it or studied something totally different in school and ended up there. And I'm like... Is this true? Like, are we all just that unique? And which is great if we are. And so that's kind of how we all. That's how I started. And and now you know we've done over almost two hundred episodes and still finding unique stories every every week. So it never gets old. People don't ever overlap. You said you know uniqueness is key, but yeah. after two hundred episodes, is there any repetition there? There are patterns. One of the things that I found with entrepreneurs, for example, is that a lot of us, and I consider myself one too, a lot of us started when we were kids. So I've met a ton of people on the podcast who have stories about how they started companies, and I use companies moving in quotes, when they were like 7 or 10 or 12. You know, Some people did something as simple as a lemonade stand. Some people created a landscaping business or whatever and like made it a business, had employees. And, uh, and I did that when I was a kid too. And so that's kind of a fascinating thing to me. I think that there's a risk-taking element to everyone I talk to who, who kind of throw caution in the wind and, and live their lives the best way they can without worrying about what other people think um, in, in order to achieve success. Yeah, I mean, there is, there is overlap in that way. But um, one other thing is that <laughs> there was one like pattern for about five or six episodes in a row where every single person had done this path where they had gone to um, school 
graduated, gone to McKinsey, then gone to Harvard Business School, and then gone and founded their own company. And it was like, literally, it was like four or five people in a row. And my editor was like, dude, you got to find some new people. How did that happen? <laughs> I, I, I think it's just... Um, it's a natural path because you consult and then you want to figure out what your next step is. And HBS has a great entrepreneurial program. And so uh, that, that's what – and then they all ended up being very successful founders. So, you know, I mean, good on them. It was just one of those things where like, this is, this is, really, this is really weird. So I want to flip the script a little bit sure. on you and talk about your career path. Okay. What has gotten you to this point? Were you always interested in audio storytelling? I love storytelling. I mean, I've always been in the world of, uh, in the creative world. So, you know, whether it be theater or music or journalism, like I've always kind of had that in my back pocket. Uh, but it was really um, when I was in college, I started doing interviews with bands, um, really because I wanted free CDs and concert tickets, to be perfectly honest. Um, and uh, I mean, I didn't have any money. So, what other way was I going to do to get CDs? So, I would, um, <laughs> so I would like, reverse look up phone numbers of record companies and then call them and tell them I worked for my, my newspaper and can I interview bands. This is what really got me interested in stories because I was really bad at interviewing. Um, I did this interview with this musician, Ben Harper. It was my first interview ever and I was a huge fan of his and he was big when I was in college. And I wrote all these questions down and I got on the phone with him and I just, you know, fired off question after question. It was such an impersonal interview and awkward and I tried to talk about smoking pot with him and he only writes songs about pots. So I was like, this is gonna make sense. And uh, he just didn't didn't have it. And then one day I was doing this interview with a band called Squirrel Nut Zippers. And they were in this one big song called Hell in like 1997, 98. And we were talking about something and they were on this um, music tour called the Horde Tour um, with like Beck and Ben Folds 5 and a bunch of other bands. And I had met Beck like two weeks before. So I was like, oh, you're on the tour with Beck. Um, how's that going? Like, well, we haven't started yet. Um, so we're excited to meet him. I'm like, oh, I just met him. He's really a great guy. And and this interview turned the corner. They're like, oh my God, you met Beck. And I'm like, I did. And he was great. And, and all of a sudden we were just people talking. And then we had a 90 minute conversation that was supposed to be 20 minutes. And I learned about them. And... To this day, I'm friends with one of those guys, actually. Um, we interviewed them again about uh, six months later when they came to my school, and they didn't remember me at the time. And I was like, remember, we talked about back, and they're like, you're the guy from, oh, my God, we love you. And I was like, this is amazing. So every interview after that was about the personal connection and understanding, like, we are all people with histories and things we like and and um, things we want to do and passions. And so and that's a long-winded answer, but that's how that's how kind of it, it started for me and and uh, and doing it not with bands anymore, but doing it with, with uh, people in tech and media and entertainment has been um, a great resurgence of that curiosity. I feel like that's a common thread among a lot of early career journalists and students like me who love storytelling, but maybe you're confused on how to go about doing it and making that into a career. Yeah. What is some advice that you have for those struggling? Oh, first of all, keep at it and, and know that like everyone sucks when they start. Um, I think that there's not one right way to do this and so find the way that's right for you and and don't let people get in your way which might sound a little bit cheesy every person i've ever talked to that is successful has like done it on their, on their own terms you know whether you want to be a journalist whether you want to be an actor whether you want to go into business you know whatever it is like you have to put your own lens on the world and if you try to adopt someone else's you're probably not going to be as successful at at the thing you want to be thank you so much dan i appreciate you being here no problem thank you Podcasting is set to become a $1 billion industry in the next few years, and these media leaders are paving the way for this explosive medium. Thanks for coming to Grady, and thanks for listening to The Lead. I'm your host, Charlotte Norsworthy. 
This episode was produced with guidance from Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute at the University of Georgia. For more episodes with interesting media leaders, subscribe to The Lead on iTunes or Google Play. Be sure to tune into our next episode where I reflect on my time at the Online News Association annual conference and feature interviews from some key speakers and attendees. Until next time.